0: comic interviews, a brand new show I am hopefully trying to do weekly, um, where awesome creators come on and basically just talk about whatever the hell they want, uh, projects, comics they like, comics they don't like. Uh, It's pretty free and open, so any creators out there that hear this and want to get on the show, you can email me at at com, and we can see what we can do. Uh, Today, uh, for the very first show, I am lucky enough to be joined by Andrew McLean. Andrew, how's it going?
1: Good, man. How you doing?
0: Oh, not too bad, not too bad. Uh, it's kind of a pain in the ass getting a car detailed and have to dick around for a while before this interview happens. But I got to read Apocalyptic Girl for a second time, so that was actually <laughs> a good way. In the waiting
1: room, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> there you
0: go. Um, how are things, man? How how was how? You're excited for Apocalyptic Girl to come out, I guess. Your your story that you've been teasing for what uh, a year or so? Oh
1: God, yeah, forever. Yeah, it seems uh it kind of, at times it felt like it was I was never going to finish it and it was never going to come out. But uh you know, when I look back, it, it was like maybe 16 months of work or so and there there are folks who do graphic novels that take like 5 years or more, you know what I mean? So I don't have anything I can uh like, you know, cry about.
0: Well, yeah, I I mean, I guess uh I guess it could have been a lot worse, but I, I definitely feel like I, I've been hearing about this for, for for far too long um I've been was dying to read it from the beginning um so thank you for passing along that original PDF to me because that kind of helped sate the beast a little bit there <laughs> uh, yeah I guess uh first things first uh, how did this let's let's start right at, at, at apocalyptic girl and how how did this idea you know come to form what made you decide to go down this this, this trail
1: um usually uh you know ideas for new projects come from just a Often a single drawing, for whatever reason, I'll have to design a character that just starts kind of as a fun piece of art. And uh, if I like it at all, I usually start to just ask myself questions like, you know, like, who who is that character? What kind of world uh, do they live in? And um, this was no different. I did a a print uh, with my buddy, Toby Cypress, um, maybe, maybe two years ago now. And uh, it was a very early version of, or, or what turned into out uh, to be a very early version of Aria and uh, and Jelly Beans. Although there was like I don't know maybe five cats in that in that original drawing or whatever. But yeah, so I just yeah then then I worked out the uh, the idea from there.
0: And you know flipping through this and, and looking at the the whole package now, um, finally, um, it, it really looks like you've put a little bit of yourself in every little page. Like, I mean, I, 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 get the feeling I, you're a cat person as well. I mean, I love cats. So that's cool. Um, you know, you got jelly in there. Um, I, I also get the feeling that it's one of those worlds where this, this one graphic novel might not be the end of it. I mean, you just, just thinking of the, the, the last part, and I don't want to spoil it too much. Um, mm-hmm. but with, uh, with Arya there and kind of what she discovers now that she's been away for so long, um, It's very, very cryptic and vague, I guess. Um, But, you know, just kind of the revelations at the end, it feels like you could really take this anywhere and you really could continue. And, I mean, I'm assuming, again, based on reading it, that people are really going to take a liking to this and you're going to have the opportunity from Dark Horse or something to do more. Is that something you're looking to do or do you feel that the story is just done and you want to go to the next project? Um, you know, setting out, it
1: wasn't... I didn't think of... uh... Turning into some kind of series or anything like that. But I had the same, you know, the same kind of thought that was like, you know, by the time I get to the end of this, there's like so many possibilities. So I do have some ideas uh, to take it further. Um, whether I, you know, have that opportunity or not is, um, you know, first and foremost, you know, the, it just, this book has to be successful enough for Dark Horse to take another chance on me, you know, first and foremost. Um but I'd like to, you know, by the by the time the same thing happened really. You know, when I was I don't know, maybe it was halfway through and I was just thinking about the end and how I wanted to kind of uh how I wanted to, you know, um execute the ending. You know, I was I was just thinking how much potential it had beyond there and, and it was so sort of the same thing as like starting with that character and then just not being able to help but ask that question of like, well, what happens to this person? You know, same thing happened again. Like, well, what would happen next to her? So I've got a handful of ideas. Um, and, you know, you never know if, if you're lucky enough to, to do it or not. But I hope so. Uh,
0: I mean this in the absolute best of ways um, because uh, Mike Mignola is one of my favorite, actually probably the my favorite creator, artist, writer and everything. Um, I really get, not just with art, but kind of like a story-wise, like, like at the beginning of something big um with this story it's got a a cool Mignola vibe to it um is that's is he somebody that you 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 know you you follow for a while you know you 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 kind of I don't want to say uh I don't want to say necessarily like have a very similar style because I mean obviously Mignola style is a lot darker um but but there's hints of it you know what I mean like how, how to best explain this I, at, at, when I read uh, Seed of Destruction for the first time, you know, and it, it felt like there was so much more that could be told, that's the feeling that I get after reading this, especially the second time. Uh, so, you know, how how much, if at all, does Vignola influence your work?
1: Um, hugely. I mean, less so, less so now that I've been kind of, you know, going at my own thing for a while and I've gotten into more and more artists, but... You know, getting into his work was a big kind of reintroduction to comics for me. Um, I probably stopped kind of reading comics and following comics, you know, when I was, I don't know, maybe uh, 16 or so, 16 or 17. And then I didn't really give comics another shot until I was, I don't know, maybe maybe as much as 10 years, probably 10 years at most. But that was kind of like, you know... Um, was with Hellboy. I kind of saw Mignola's work and uh, and kind of just fell in love with the character of Hellboy and just totally binged on anything Hellboy Manola I could get my hands for for a long time. Um, and then so yeah, and then I always I always drew as a kid and I, I still drew then. Um, but comics wasn't like something I planned on doing really. And uh, so when I started to draw a lot more, they were very very Mignola- Ask, you know, and as the more and more I got into drawing and, and making comics seriously, the further my style kind of got away from me. But when I started out, it was kind of like, uh, you know, it was like, I want to draw like Manola. Do you know what I mean? So I, there's like no way there isn't uh, still a fair amount of uh, Mignola-isms in my art, you know?
0: Yeah, it, you know, what? it's definitely at the back. Uh, I remember seeing some of your, I don't necessarily want to say earlier work, but like even like some of the first Headlopper stuff. Uh, there's definitely more of a flair and, and this definitely seems like more of, of coming into your own and, and necessarily maybe, you know, in a way to phrase it. Um, but yeah, just kind of doing your own thing. And now this is your style and this is, you know, this is the way your art looks. Um, when you were, uh, out of comics, as you say, you, and you said you were still kind of drawing, were you doing that just on the side? You just kind of doodling every now and then were you doing it like as a career or? No, it was definitely like doodling.
1: I was, um. You know, when I was in college, I went to college for music. So it wasn't even something that was you know, making comics wasn't really something that was even on my radar that much. I think just, you know, I went to a music a music school so all of you know, I guess all of the fun of music started to get zapped out of it when it was became like homework assignments and stuff and like you just day in and day out and like deadlines and things and and so I started to draw more and more for fun while I was still in music school. Just kind of like as an escape kind of thing. And so, yeah, it was very doodly. It was margins at first, even though I'd always drawn, you know, since I was very little. Um, so getting back into it, yeah, it was margins at first. And then it was, you know, full pieces. And the styles were all over the place. Sometimes, like, really cartoony and really strange. Sometimes Maniola-ish or whatever. And, yeah. And then I took, there was, when I finally took a crack at, like, just a actual comic, like, Pages. It was uh, it was just it was too exciting not to start taking seriously, you know. And that's kind of when I try to strike out and you know try to learn more professional tools and look into other styles and different types of comics and start to figure out what it is actually I would want to do. Because obviously, once I decided to take it seriously, obviously I didn't want to be like in, you know influenced by one artist, you know, so heavily. Um, and uh, years later, I figured out. More and more, how to do something uh, with more of a variety, I guess.
0: Yeah, you know what? Uh, I by no means can draw. Um, I mean, I, I guess I can scribble every now and then. But I, I, I understand what you're saying. Where you know, the more you, the more you read, and more you absorb, like other art, the more you, you know, you take. Okay, I like the way this guy does hands, for example. I like the way this guy does scenery, and you kind of like build your own style from that. So I mean, yeah, I think I think yeah, I think you're
1: right. I think style is um, a lot of the choices you make are unconscious. You know, you I think sometimes you can find yourself taking on new little ideas or, or techniques from artists you're not even aware. You don't you might not even know their name. You just saw like once, and you might not even know you're doing it. Like, it, there's no way you could, or I don't think anyways. I don't think there's any way you could even really, you know, make a full list of of all the components of your, of, of a style, any style, really, you know
0: what I mean? Yeah, you'd have to be like a, a professor somewhere that specializes in breaking down, you know, every little bit that uh, somebody has used, you know, over the years, and, and try to figure it out that way, and like map it out, and it would be excruciating and take forever. <laughs> yeah, and probably pointless too. <laughs> probably, but I'm sure there's a lot more pointless things out there that end up getting government grants and people spend time on. So, <laughs> oh
1: yeah, too true.
0: Um, when you first started getting back into comics and you're drawing and, and you're doodling and stuff and you kind of realized, you know, this was a, a career path. Um, again, again, I, I kind of discovered you for Headlopper. I think the, your first Kickstarter for that, uh, and we'll talk about that in a bit here. I think that first Kickstarter blew up pretty big if i remember like it was kind of all over twitter and and that kind of thing um or at least within the circles that i follow and that was my first taste of 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 your work were there stuff that predates that that you've published and and worked on that i'm just not aware of uh nothing that
1: i wrote um i self-published like well the first Headlopper. i i self-published just with uh with our own money and then uh it was just it was just so expensive of course we decided to kickstart the second one um but before that i did draw a comic called meat space and um i drew a few issues of a comic called department o and then i drew a mini series that only came out um recently for whatever reason uh and only in digital release uh called uh, colonial souls but uh you know, some of those I drew in between the Headloppers. It was like I think in between Headlopper One and Headlopper Two, there was probably almost a year or so. Uh and in that in the meantime, you know, there was a delay between the two issues because I was drawing, you know, some more colonial souls. I was drawing a little bit more uh Department O and that stuff. But once I uh once I started to write my own material with like Headlopper, I uh realized that that was really Kind of my favorite approach. I like working with others. The collaboration is like super fun. Um, but at the same time, you know, writing for yourself, you literally get everything you want. You know, you can't complain. You know, if uh, if there's too many speech bubbles in a panel or, or whatever, you're like that was that was all your choice. And also, you have the power to change your your uh, your ideas on the spot. You know.
0: Well, yeah. Like if if you don't want to draw a crazy forest scene, you can suddenly put your guy in a desert and have you know. Yeah. Just a exactly. bunch of sand hills in the background, right? Yeah. Um, and when it, when it comes to writing your own work and then drawing from somebody else's, um, obviously there's going to be a big change, but do you find it was like kind of a surprising change with how you approached, uh, what you were drawing? Um, I mean, I don't know how collaborative your other, your other stuff was. I mean, maybe they were just like a guy walks into a room and you just kind of have to, you know, draw something. Uh, but there is a writers out there that are very detailed, you know, guy walks in a the room, there's these books on the shelf, this poster on the wall, he's wearing this, he, you know what I mean? Um, how much did your did you have to adjust when you started writing your own stuff, um, to, to to your to um, from when you took I don't know when you had to work and collab with other people not necessarily took direction from but you know what I mean
1: Yeah, um, you know to switch to writing my own material was like extremely natural because um, it was kind of what I wanted to do anyways and I and I just there wasn't a question of like, oh, can I do this or how do I start? It was just like, it kind of felt like it was just that thing that I just hadn't gotten to yet, you know. Uh, it didn't really feel new. It felt like, i felt more like, oh, finally, you know, almost like returning to something you, I hadn't never done before. Um, but there was a change, uh, you know, like the first, the first, uh, the first comic I drew uh, was with Josh Gorfane writing on Meat Space, which was kind of a, a strange, um, a strange sci-fi type story. And like right immediately, right away, pe- people are so eager to uh, kind of pigeonhole people. And right away, I'd already get, you know, uh, some folks who were aware of the comic to refer to me as like a science fiction guy. So it's like when Colonial Souls came about it was kind of like oh you're a science fiction guy here's a sign Here's more science fiction and it's like well I like science fiction but I I'm I always thought that any artist you know most artists can draw probably probably any genre you know what I mean I don't see why they wouldn't be able to and um, and so but at the same time uh, so when I decided to do headlopper I was I was pretty eager to draw you know uh swords and swords and sorcery and like rolling hills and in real nature not not and also not have to totally invent the entire world like i can it's more like this earth you know i can draw rocks and things and mountains rather than like just rows and rows of like tech or i have to really design every square inch of every page you know um it's just there's, I guess I just feel like uh, there's so many, there's so many cool, beautiful things like already on our planet. It just seemed at times it felt like silly to be constantly coming up with something otherworldly all the time. You know what I mean? When I would perfectly happy drawing some uh, some trees and some grass. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so it felt it felt good to to kind of uh, again like as you see like apocalyptic girl is sci-fi. So I didn't mind returning to it, um, but at the same time as you've read it, it's still like loaded with like. Grass and trees and other like familiar things. Um, I don't know. I'm just fucking rambling now. I don't even know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's okay, that's okay. R- good. <laughs> rambling is good, man. I don't mind it at all. Um, you're, you're definitely right. Grass is a lot easier to design than robots. Um, <laughs> robots are hard. Yeah, I mean they're fun, <laughs> but they are hard. Uh, it, it's kind of interesting. You, met, you know, you mentioned that you you went from something where you were being labeled as like a sci-fi artist, and then you take something like Headlopper, which is you know, along the same veins is like a like a Conan kind of idea uh yeah. or like a Viking story and it's very uh basic might not be the right word, but you know I mean there's no tech there's no crazy shit like that in there. It's just like you said it's swords and grass and blood and and people kicking each other's asses and then you kind of take uh apocalyptic girl and, and it, again I haven't read the 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 stories before headlopper but it seems to me like you kind of mash the two together. In a sense, you know, you, you got to draw kind of the stuff you like while also incorporating some of your sci-fi stuff. And, and now, you know, you're you're more rounded of a creator. I don't think anybody, at least I hope not, would label you just as a sci-fi artist right now. Um, you know, it's 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 very versatile, I guess, is, is, is a good way to put it. And uh, it's just really interesting to see how, how well you mixed some some of the stuff um from Headlopper even into this, like, you know, with her sword and some of the really cool fight scenes like with the dogs and stuff. Mm. So yeah, you, you, you've definitely you've definitely taken I guess what you've worked on and you've really, you know, put it together in, in a new package and it's it's it really, really, really works well together. Um I Great. haven't I haven't written a review yet, but I can tell you it's gonna be positive. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah,
1: it was kind of it came about almost I guess reluctantly. It's it's like um, when I set out on uh, putting together an idea, it's kind of like, you know, like I said, the character comes first and then I kind of just like, well, it's not like, oh, what are, what are all these things I want them to do? It's just like looking at the character, imagining what they'd be like, what, what's the situation? What's the world that I think they'd be in? So when I was first imagining, uh, Arya and apocalyptic girl in this like post-apocalyptic type world, I'm thinking like, oh, great. The, thinking, I'm like, Think about how busy this world was. I was coming up with, I'm like, oh shit, I'm gonna have to draw all that craziness. Like, it was like, you know, the idea was uh, almost beyond my ambition, I guess. You know, I was like, well, I'm stuck with it. That's the book I want to make. I guess those are the images I have to draw. You know, and uh, especially when when I was first imagining, I was like, what, what kind of apocalyptic you know, type world would she be in, the first thing I always think of is just, like, you know, sandstorms and stuff, like a really wasted <laughs> atmosphere. Mad, you know, Mad Max. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Mad Max, or, yeah, or even, uh, what was that other one? Pretty recent, A Book of Eli or whatever. With um, Oh,
0: yeah, with uh, Dead to Washington and stuff?
1: Yeah, like, those are the types of images that always come to mind. It's just this, like, sand. And uh, it just, I didn't, I really felt through, like, the... The island in Hedlopper is called Barra, which is a real, uh, real island off of um, – it's a Scottish isle. And uh, all, so all of Hedlopper is – I love Scotland. The highlands, I think, are just so beautiful. So all those rolling hills and, and strange rock formations, it's all, uh, it's all at least loosely based on real places. Um, and I just found that I love drawing nature. So the idea of going from uh, learning how much I like to draw – just hills and and things uh, to drawing sandstorms and, and like crumbled buildings was just like distasteful to me. I was like, all right, the only way that I can get myself to really draw a, um, this, you know, kind of um, crumbled buildings type um, environment is if I just cover it in trees again, you know what I mean? And, uh, and then that idea was really interesting to me. So I was like, shit, this is gonna be really busy. I'm gonna have to like find ways to sneak, both nature and architecture together, but, uh, but it was also, um, it was tough at times, but it was also fun. You know what I mean? To just the challenge of, uh, squishing the two together, like you were saying.
0: Well, it certainly would have been a lot easier if, if she was just in a desert, you know, you, <laughs> yeah, it's just, we would have got a... it a lot sooner, Andrew. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have uh, worked. I don't think, I don't think it would have looked near as good. Um, <laughs> and, and, and speaking of which uh you did everything in this book. Am I am I right there? Like you you, yeah, you I did. penciled and inked and colored and uh lettered as far as I know. I did. Yeah.
1: Um yeah, going into it I uh I was I was ready and, and eager to write it and draw it and um I wasn't planning on coloring it, but Dark Horse was kind of like, "Hey, let's try to do this you know, on the cheap, um, you want to do it in black and white. And I was like, not really. I don't think black and white's really so all that good right now. And um, and also, it's just the world that I was hoping to create was pretty colorful. So it just – already and I already just had that image in my head already. So to try to delete that and imagine it just in black and white wasn't very comfortable. And I was like, all right, well, if it comes down to that, I was like, I'll just color it myself. And uh, originally, I was going to do it in very, very limited palettes. And though I tried to kind of stick to that, I definitely got carried away and uh, allowed myself to get more detail than I set out to <laughs> do with the colors. But whatever. I mean, I'd, if if I write it though, I do like to letter it myself because it gives me one one last chance to uh, to change things and add stuff or move one speech balloon over to another place or whatever, you know.
0: Yeah, you know what? Definitely looking at this. I'm just kind of flipping through it on the on the iPad right now. Um, you can definitely see that there are pages where you're just like, you know what? Fuck it, all color, all the time, and you just you just like you just like, go nuts. And it, I mean, it looks great, uh, especially like more towards the end of the book there. Um, mm-hmm. And then and then I I would say you know the beginning of the book is is not necessarily um, like more dull, but it almost seems like the more the more you got into it, uh, the more kind of Color you you kind of added to it, and I mean really it it ends up really making it look good. Um, uh, it's certainly one of the I don't I don't know how to how to word it. it it's not your typical like uh, doom and gloom crap that you always kind of get when you hear apocalypse. Um, it's not um, you know it's it's not a black and white zombie book that you know eventually gets too repetitive. Um, <laughs> you know it, it's it's very different, and, and I think the, the the fact that you colored it really. Really brings it to that next level, and whoever you know, you or Dark Horse or however that really ended up happening, I really think that was probably your best approach. Um, I mean, even even just her sitting on on the, the the crumbling buildings and looking at like the the sunset there, uh, like that's yeah. just that's a fantastic page, you know. Thanks, nice, man. E- even without the words, you can't you know you know what's going on, and and like it's just it's just done really 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 well. Um, do you find that? Uh, I mean obviously it took longer having to color it yourself. Um, but do you had you I don't know shopped it out to another colorist? Uh would that have would that have bothered you like I, I know for me I'm, I'm I can be controlling and I'm very OCD about some things. Um and I mean there's a lot of great colorists out there for sure especially like in the dark horse camp. You know imagine like Dave Stewart coloring this or something. Um What oh <laughs> uh can't go, can't go wrong with Dave Stewart.
1: Oh <laughs> I know right everything he does is just gold.
0: Yeah. Um but you know ha- had somebody else done it do you, do you feel uh you know you would have been, like been biting your nails waiting to see every page and and critique it and or are you just happy the way you did it? You know I don't even want to think about that.
1: Um well you know I have um I have Mike Spicers an amazing colorist color of the headlopper comics and um I know it's it's like kind of um it's unfortunate in a way because I, I think I put it on him sometimes when I'm, while I'm drawing, I I can kind of picture it in color already. Like I'm like, I kind of would say that I like draw for color. And so he's unfortunately for any colors to do with They're at the receiving end of my expectation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, rather exactly. Just, yeah. Rather than me just drawing it as black and white, and getting, you know, pleasant surprises every time I get colors. Um, so I mean in the case of Apocalyptic Girl, because I colored her myself, it was nice because A, I learned a ton. I'd never sat down and just actually I don't think I'd ever colored an actual interior page. I'd only colored like pin-ups and covers and things. So it was like, you know, like a crash course. Um but it was also nice that all of my expectations uh I had to I had to, you know, satisfy it myself. It was just me, you know. Um that said, it's, it's you know, I, working with Mike Spicer, he's amazing. And he comes, he brings ideas to the table that I never would have thought of. You know, they're contrary to what I was imagining, and then it's better. And uh, he has, he uses techniques that I would be uncomfortable with. And uh, at least, especially for Havopper, they work really well in that case. Like, if I wanted to approach, you know, uh, Apocalyptic Girl in the same, like, color style as as Headlopper, I wouldn't be able to pull it off just because it's not, it's not like in my wheelhouse. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I guess I'm saying like they're both good, you know, for different different purposes.
0: Yeah, you know, it depends, depends on what you're doing, I guess. And and um, I, I definitely, I, I actually haven't read, I think it's been about a year since the last time I read uh, Headlopper. So, mm-hmm. I, I might have to go back and take another look. But I do remember the coloring really standing out and, and, and definitely being really, really good on that. Um, yeah
1: he just keeps getting better and better like if you look at the colors from issue one to issue two um it gets better and i mean i thought it was great on issue one but then when the colors were coming in for issue two i was super super impressed and we're getting ready to do some more head opera and uh, i just i know he's been working so hard and so long in all the time we've uh not been working
0: together i just can't i
1: can't wait to see what he brings this time you
0: know that's that. That's a good little segue to uh, to break into Headlopper. Um, <laughs> it, it's been out for a while now. Um, how how would you describe Headlopper to somebody that doesn't know? I mean, obviously the name the, the name is pretty straightforward. But <laughs> yeah, how, how, how would you describe that to somebody?
1: Well, if I really have to break it down into it's this meets this, which is always a little uncomfortable. Um, the best way for me to describe it is it's kind of Conan meets Hellboy. I think. Um I, I, I would I,
0: I would agree with that.
1: Yeah, it's a it's uh it's a dark humored uh kind of you know, a big guy with big sword, uh killing monsters. You know what I mean? It's um I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel with it. Um I'm just trying to like make it that version of uh the version of a Viking, you know, barbarian comic that I would want. You know, I try I I hope it's really kind of like you know invokes heavy metal you know the music not not so much magazine as it is like you know like if it was a soundtrack it would be it'd be metal um and i don't know i hope people laugh at it i hope they say it's badass it's it's just like it's either action or like comedy mostly
0: yeah you know what you could definitely sit down and read that and have some like uh in the background you know crazy <laughs> going. and it, 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 it would it would work really well um you're you're working on the third issue now. Is that where we're at, or did I? Yeah, I did.
1: Um, uh, no, um, I yeah, I'm working on the third one as we speak. Um, I was just inking it uh, when you called. Um, so basically, I think what's going to happen, and um, it's, it's still early. I can't talk to you too much about it, but um, I think we're going to see um, a re-release, like a collection of the first two uh with a with a third story in that collection mm-hmm. um, that one i've done i colored that one and lettered that already and everything and then so after that comes out shortly after we'll then we'll have the new the brand new um what you and i are calling the third one so so i think though it looks like those will both be out
0: um this year uh goddamn comic secrecy man gets me every time Right. <laughs> it, it sucks even more when I, when I hear about things and then I kind of just suddenly bring it into an interview and for example, the interviewee doesn't understand what I'm hinting at or yeah. you know, you completely refuse to talk about it. It's like, oh man. <laughs> uh, but off, uh, off the record, man, I hear all this stuff, but uh, uh, for, you mentioned you're collecting it again. Uh, is that a, um, a hint that a publisher has picked it up and they're going to put out a new collection? Can you say? um yeah
1: i mean nothing's been announced but that's kind of like the plan um and yeah so like previously one and two were separate um both were so, kickstarters right um no we just kickstarted we only kickstarted the
0: second one all oh, right um, yeah you self you self-published the first and then i i must have gotten both through the second kickstarter then
1: yeah that was the thing i was just knew i was like you know what like most people are um a lot of people coming to this will be coming to it fresh. So I made sure that, you know, you could get the uh the first one with the uh in that same Kickstarter or whatever. So yeah, so we'll co- I don't wanna put out like re-release the same stuff. So the f- the first kind of uh collection will be Headlopper one and two and what for you know working purposes I was calling Headlopper two point five. Um just so that there's so one and two are together. And then for folks who have already read one and two, there's still like a new story in that first release. Um, and then, like I said, um, I'll move on to the next really long form story, uh, that'll come out after that, like into like, um, you know, by itself.
0: Are you planning, you, you say long form, um, are you planning on graphic novel release then like a similar to, uh, apocalyptic girl where what is it? 90, 90 pages, something like that. 97 pages. Or um, no, probably, going...
1: about size, probably about the size of *Headlopper* uh, two. I think um, each release will be uh, about probably forty-five or fifty pages, um, and I'm going to do them quarterly. I just really liked the when I did *Headlopper*. When I did *Headlopper* one, I was kind of seeing where I would get, how far into the story I would get at like the 22, 23 page you know, marker, and I just wrote it at the at the pace that I wanted to tell the story at. And um, I didn't get super far, but I was, like, a good enough, like, cliffhanger or whatever. Uh, so then when I got to Headlopper Bird 2, I was like, I'm going to write this. I'm going to pick a spot I want to end at in the story and just write whatever page count that is. And it ended up being about 45 pages or whatever, and I just really, I really liked how I, I just always think that, like, a 22, 23-page comic, it's, like, standard, but there's no, there's, like, it always feels like there's no room for both plot and action, and uh, one of them's going to get cut short, and mostly, and I feel like it's usually, you know, the action that gets cut short, and um, so, and I just always feel a little ripped off in that, that kind of, that format that we've been stuck with forever, so I was just kind of like, screw it. I want to do these at at a uh, a length that I can get I can move a story forward, you know, very comfortably, um, but still have like a ton of action. And so that's kind of what I'm going for with Headlopper going forward, is you know, 45, 50 pages, quarterly released, um, so they get big chunks of story, big chunks of action, you know.
0: That's um that's a very interesting way to do it. Um, I applaud you for for taking that risk because obviously people are so People have uh, monthly comics just drilled into their heads, and 22 pages, and and this and that. Uh, and I absolutely yeah. agree that it feels like action gets thrown aside. I mean, not that every comic needs to be full bore action. I mean, something like Headlopper certainly it, it works. Um, but definitely, there's a lot more like setup, and and it's always like you're waiting for the next one for the four panels of action at the very end, and then it's cliffhanger, and you know what I mean. So that yeah,
1: so it bugs me. It's like yeah, too often I'm, I'm reading a comic and it, and uh, when the action part comes up, it's like, you, you know, they build up like it's gonna be some big fight, and then you know, it seems like a, a like one punch was thrown or something, and they were talking while they while they threw that punch. You know, and that's just not the kind of comic I want to read. You know what I mean? I'm just not that interested in that uh that take that style. You know, so yeah, I think there's you know there's a handful of like you know friends or whatever. Are like, what are you gonna do quarterly? Are you nuts? I'm like, you know what? It's I know, like, I guess, in my heart, the best way to do this story is in that format, like, and uh, so, I f- and also, I feel like, you know, if if it's uh, if it comes out every three months, but it's a big chunk of story, and each time that, and it has like, it, they're not cliffhanger ends; they're like pretty solid, like they're pretty solid landings. Um, it's almost like waiting three months and getting the the majority of a graphic novel rather than getting like, like they, they, there's no cliffhangers in them but, you know well, you've read them so i mean they they end like pretty solidly like you're like all right there's more story to go but you don't feel like oh is he gonna live through that or not you know what i mean
0: yeah yeah the last panel isn't him falling and then you have to wait three fucking months you asshole for the next one you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah uh, <laughs> i don't that's not
1: how that's not how head lupers, written it's like it's it's almost always going to be him
0: moving like leaving you know like walking into the <laughs> sunset or something you have to do that now for your very next one it's literally just ended walking into the sunset and be done with it um so uh safe to assume that then it's the the quarterly comics are going to be released uh physical and digital or is there one medium you prefer um, I mean, I prefer, yeah, I, I'm,
1: I'm sure we'll be able to do both. Um, I, uh, I mean, obviously I prefer a tangible comic, uh, just cause, uh, you know, I'm old school or whatever. Um, but I don't know. I, that's, it hasn't been, the digital has always been kind of an afterthought for me. So I haven't really, um, I haven't really worked that out yet.
0: Well, that's fair enough. I mean, a lot, I know a lot of people, uh, like the, like the, the comicsology submit form and, and that kind of stuff, but, uh. Um, you mentioned that uh, you you see the story going you know you have certain points you want to hit per quarter that kind of idea um, Safe to zoom in that uh, there's a lot more headlopper in our future
1: yeah I um, yeah a lot more there's um, I have planned three more like 50 page chunks before I hit the you know a solid landing for like the whole arc um, basically when so- I when I so sorry,
0: still five issues. They're just massive issues, essentially.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're just big issues. So I mean, so this arc, this arc all said and done will will be over, will probably be over 200 pages. Like if I'm lucky enough to have it all collected, it'll be over, it'll be like a really good sized graphic novel or yeah. collection, I can say.
0: And, and my vote's for hardcover. I'm just saying. I'm addicted to hardcover. <laughs> um, well, that count maybe, yeah. Hey man, you 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 present me a hardcover. I'm buying it. I'm buying two of them for Christ's sake. I'll um, um, print one. <laughs> there you go. I'm sold. For you. <laughs> Why not, you, you have to print two. One because the cost will be slightly cheaper, and so you can have one and I can have one. It's true. Yeah. Um, I, the Apocalyptic Girl obviously uh, coming out in trade first uh, at a nice uh, what is it nine ninety nine from Dark Horse. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cheap. Um, nine ninety nine is is a is a great starting point. I know everybody's eating those up at Image, and I think Valiant is doing those for a lot of their first volumes as well. Um, again, I have to ask because there is you know are you going to see how if it sells, maybe get a nice oversized hardcover in there? <laughs> is that anything you have a, an opinion on, or is Darker's just like we're going to do it this way and here you go? Um, right now, it's like
1: so early. You know, what I mean, I I still feel I still feel just really lucky to have done it. And uh, have it getting ready for it to come out, um, and I'm just yeah. I did, looking at it in I have one I have one issue. Uh, looking at it in soft cover, it's like you know it's maybe it's it's probably less than a half an inch thick. So adding a hard cover almost almost seems it's like a, not a huge book. So it almost seems strange to me um to throw hard covers on a book that's not super long. But i but at the same time, like if Dark Horse wanted to do that, yeah, that's cool. Mostly I'm just I'm I, I don't know, man. I'm just happy this thing is coming out, you know, in a tangible format where someone else is gonna you know after self publishing for a while, I I've gotten tired of it. You know, to put it in people's hands, they they've either gotta come find me at a convention. They've got to find the very select few comic shops that carry my stuff or they got to order it online the idea that there's a, a publisher is going to go and you know that people can get it on amazon now or, or they can get it at barnes and noble now or like any comic shop will just have it on the shelves it's, su- it's such a relief you know what i mean just to not just to have that taken out of my hands uh i i hardly bother thinking about uh other editions or um you know, or or hardcovers and all that stuff. I mean, they really they listened to me. Like, my paper, they really got it. Like a, they printed it on such an amazing paper. Like, they heard me out and really worked with me to make sure it looks the way I want it. So, anything else that comes out, some other editions in another language or other editions in a hardcover, that's going to be icing on the cake. I've already gotten everything I wanted. You know what I mean?
0: Fair enough. I'm I'm just greedy as shit when it comes to that. I, I love hardcover. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people really. A lot of people were really like, "Hey, is it going to come out on hardcover?" I was
1: like, "No, man." It's like, ah, oh, you know, it, you know, folks like the hardcover. I'll, you know? I'll,
0: I'll begrudgingly buy it just because it's you, Andrew. Otherwise, no. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, it. It's really cool that uh, you know, being a, a big fan of Mignola, that it's going to Dark Horse. I think I think Dark Horse does a lot of really really good things. Um, they're, they're certainly one of my personal favorite publishers. Uh, I, I love all the guys over there that I've, I've got to talk to, you, like Ob and all those guys. So. Um, definitely congrats on that. Um, was Dark Horse an obvious choice for you, or were you shopping it around? Did you have, I noticed in the back of, uh, of, uh, Apocalypse Girl, you had, uh, big thanks to, uh, uh, Oming, and, the other name escapes me. Um, um shit, there's somebody else in the back of that, and it's
1: it's gone. Yeah, I think John Arcoot, John Arcootie as well. right, right. right
0: another big Dark Horse guy.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're just, I mean... For, well, first and foremost, they they offered quotes for the front cover and the back cover, and they're like really flattering. So, right off the bat, you know, um, they deserved a huge thanks just just for those words. But they've both, you know, gone way out of their way many times in the past to just like support me in in all manner of you know different ways. You know, they would just they both deserve a, a thanks even if they hadn't said nice things to print on my front and back cover. You know what I mean? Uh, they've just, you know, they don't owe me anything. There's no real reason for them uh, to go out of the way and, and you know, help, uh, help an up-and-comer. But but they, they do. They do it all the time. I'm not, I'm not the only one that they, uh, you know, I've helped out. It's just they're good people, you know.
0: Yeah, uh, you know what? I haven't had the pleasure of meeting John yet, but I met Mike and, and Takisoma at uh, the local con last year. And damn, there's some just awesome guys to talk to. I, I mean, I didn't want to leave their table. I feel like I was just <laughs> pushing, pushing people away that were trying to come up and buy stuff and get sketches and was like, no, no, shut up. I'm talking to these people, you know? <laughs> um, you just, they're just, you know, really down to earth and it's just really, really cool to see, especially, I mean, especially somebody, who you know, arguably as big as as as, as Mike is. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I mean, I guess in the comic industry, really, you know, there's not a lot of egos, but there are obviously is some. Um, it, it just, you know, it, it seems like a very very uh mike thing to do from my experience you know for him to help you out it just seems like the obvious choice in his brain and, and you know he's just it's just really cool to see that at the back of the book you know and a nice big thank you whether or not you know they had to or or, or not <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah no i haven't had the pleasure of um
1: of meeting mike um in person yet you know we're still on opposite coast we haven't been able to connect the dots yet but um you know, like you said, you know, it's, um, I mean, comic folks, uh, professionals, they're, they're, um, you know, they're no different than anyone, anyone else really, you know, they've, some of them have, you know, egos, and they could be nicer to folks and others are like, you know, the coolest, you know, some of the coolest, nicest, uh, passionate people. And, um, these guys both fall into the, you know, in the latter category, luckily.
0: Um, I think we're running out of time, there, Andrew. Uh, I might try to keep this around forty-five minute mark. Um, gotcha. You know, cut you right off. I know you're rambling, a, you know, a little bit here, and you're, you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're starting to take a little while coming up with ideas, and it's it's okay. It happens. It happens to the best of them, Andrew. Um, what, <laughs> do, you, do, do you have anything else on the go right now? Is there? Are you just focused on Headlopper and, and you know maybe a potential apocalyptic Girl? Do you have any um, you know like work for hires or other creator-owned stuff you got kicking around back there?
1: Oh, I got a couple of things. So headlopper is my um my main thing. It's uh I'm trying not to let too much get in the way of that um I'd really like to round to actually at least finish the drawing of the whole story this year would be nice. But apart from that, um I have a couple one shots coming up. One hasn't been announced yet, um, but the one that has is um The Tomorrows from uh written by Kurt uh Peers. And published by Dark Horse Comics. Um, I think it's four. No, it's five issues, and I'm gonna be drawing um, issue four. So I don't. I don't know when that when my issue is released. I don't. I'm not sure if that information has been uh, given to me yet. <laughs> or not. But uh, so yeah, I, I do have two other two other one shots I'll do this year. That being uh, one of them. And then who knows? Maybe some odds and
0: ends things. But I think Headlopper's gonna keep me pretty busy. That's cool. Kurt's a Kurt's a good old local boy here, so I got to actually. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah, I got to chat with him at the, at the convention and stuff. So that's cool to hear. Uh, it's always good when he starts doing more stuff. We got a lot of crazy Calgary talent out of here. So um, that's a small world connection as well. Um, well, you know what? I guess I guess that's it, Andrew. I'm tired of talking to you. Kicking
1: me out already, huh?
0: Get the hell off my show. Um, Get the hell off my sky. <laughs> you <laughs> know what? No, I, truly, it's an absolute pleasure, Andrew. Uh, I've been harassing you. Okay, I think on Twitter for a while now and, you know, I'm buggy about this, buggy about that and, you know, you're usually you're pretty tolerant of, of my crap. Um, so, well, I don't I, want to go. <laughs> So, thank you for that but uh, Headlopper is amazing. Uh, I'm blown away with Apocalypse Girl. I, I truly think Thanks. it's your best work to date. Uh, I mean, obviously, I've only read a few things so maybe, maybe my scope isn't as good as it should be. Um, <laughs> But it's fantastic. The whole package is great. I can't wait to get a physical copy in my hand uh, and, and on my shelf. I think the, the yellow of the cover is really going to pop on, on the stands. I mean, it's not a very um, commonly chosen color, so that's you know that's good call on that. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I just – you know what, man? I, I wish you all the best, and, and I look forward to a hell of a lot more from you. I want my <laughs> quarterly headlopper and, and uh, <laughs> everything else, you know? Thanks, dude. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, man. It's been fun. No worries. Um, you're the first one and hopefully we'll have you back again uh, maybe when the next headloper comes on or a couple of your one-shots are out and we'll shoot the shit some more and go from there. Yeah,
1: man. Let's do it.
0: All right, man. Till next time, this is uh, allcomic.com. This is a brand new podcast called All Comic Interviews. Uh, I had the pleasure of interviewing Andrew McClain. Uh, make sure you pick up apocalyptic Girl next month. Right, Andrew? May... I want to say May 20th.
1: May... That's it. Yeah, May 20th.
0: Whew. My brain actually helps me out for once. Very impressive. Um, <laughs> pick it up. You can pick it up uh, pretty much anywhere. Uh, and it it, it it 100% deserves your attention. Um, if you can find some headlopper, find that as well. Uh, actually, real quick, Andrew, before we go, uh, do you have a website and social media and all that stuff you want to share?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, let's see. On Twitter, I'm, I think, Andrew underscore McLean. That's M-A-C-L-E-A-N. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on um I mean, Google will find them all. I'm sure. I'm on um, Tumblr. I think that one is. Let's see. I think that one's. That one's just Andrew McLean, like straight through, no punctuation or anything. So Tumblr's just AndrewMcLean.tumblr.com. Um, yeah, and there's. Uh, I have a uh, because my current issues of um, headlopper are still self-published. Uh, You can get those. I have those on store envy. There's links on like the Tumblr and stuff. But yeah, I'm I'm on all those fun things. Instagram, all that
0: jazz. It's always fun putting people on the spot when you ask them, okay, what's all your social media info? And mostly they're like, uh, well, my Twitter is this. The rest of them, I have no (laughs) idea, you know. Uh, yeah. those lucky few bastards that managed to get the same name all across
1: oh yeah yeah <laughs> my name's not like super common especially the spelling I still can't get everything you know <laughs> uh,
0: thank you Andrew um, like I said best of luck and uh, we'll talk to you again
1: thank you so much dude alright take care see ya